Hi, I'm Fran McNichol. I work as a consultant surgeon at the Royal Liverpool University Hospital and I'm going to Outer Mongolia to do what's the longest horseback charity ride in history, supporting the Valu Foundation and the Children of the Peak Sanctuary. And we're going to be doing 8,400 kilometres over 84 days, literally across the length and breadth of Outer Mongolia. And this is my week's podcast. Liverpool Live! Ladies and gentlemen, I cannot believe we're going to start the show with this lady who is doing the most amazing thing for charity. One of the most amazing things in all the years I've been working on radio, I've talked about. Her name is Fran uh, McNichol, and she's going to Mongolia for 84 days on a horse. Oh, my word. Fran, hello. Hello, how are you? <laughs> well, I'm fine. I don't know how you're going to be, but I'm fine. First of all, remind us who you are. So I am um, a consultant colorectal surgeon at the Royal Liverpool University Hospital. Um, and I'm obsessed with horses. And you very kindly had me on your show before because I wrote a book about horses. Um, and we did a chat about that. And um, yeah, I'm finally getting to literally live my childhood dream, which was to um, gallop across the open spaces on horseback um, every day for 84 days. It's amazing. It really is amazing. I've got to ask, how much time have you taken off? Um, so three months. Work have been very understanding. Um, they didn't have to let me go, although I did threaten to resign if they, if they didn't <laughs> let me go. Um, so, of all the horse racing, of all the horse and love of horses you've got, why Mongolia and why something so big? Because it is supposedly the longest horseback ride in history. It's the longest horseback charity ride in history. People have possibly done longer distances, um, but this, yeah, definitely the longest organised one. So um, Mongolia, because it's the home of the horse and um, it's just a beautiful place. I went there um, a few years ago for a short trip um, with Colonel Blashford Snell and the Scientific Exploration Society. Um, and we were doing a sort of scientific expedition. So we saw two bits of the country, but it just wasn't enough. Um, and then, you know, this this trip came onto my radar probably three years ago, and I was going through some significant life changes at the time, shall we see, and then um, found myself without um, incumbents, as it were. Yeah. Um, and I just thought this absolutely looked amazing. Um, and we're getting to see literally the whole country. So we're starting down in the Gobi Desert in the southeast of outer Mongolia. I love saying outer Mongolia. Um, and sort of riding more or less the length and breadth of the country, visiting every place of archaeological significance and um, scientific interest and um, shamanic, shamanic, I never know how you say that, importance. Um, and basically anywhere in Mongolia where everyone, everyone's ever said, oh, you should go and look at that. Fran, how many of you are going? There's 17 um, riders and um, probably about a dozen backup crew. Um, and the riders are a mishmash from literally all over the world. Now tell me, how do you pack for something like this? I mean, you must have had advice. Tell us, talk us through what you've got to do to get there first. <laughs> so um, the 
people that I'm going with, the, the lady that's organizing it um, runs a trekking company in Mongolia. So they do quite a lot of shorter trips, shall we say, um, and have a lot of experience, um, you know, with logistics and stuff like that. So we were provided with a kit list. Um, because we're literally doing the whole country, we are starting in the desert, going through the grasslands, and then ending up in the mountains. So the temperate range we've been told to prepare for is um, anything from minus 10 to plus 40. Um, so lots of layers. <laughs> there is a support truck that will go with us. Um, so it's tents every night. Um, and... Yeah, lots, lots of layers. Um, friction-free riding gear is very important, apparently. <laughs> right. Now, as a medical person, uh, what about medicine side of it? Uh, and also, sitting on, in, in that position on a horse for 84 days, do tell us about that, please. Um, so I'm, I'm quite spoiled in that there is, um, there's a Mongolian doctor in the backup truck with, um, with the full kit. So I don't have to, um, I'll sort of be the, the first aider really on the ride. Um, so I don't have to do too much doctoring. Um, and then, yeah, in terms of medical kit, it's um, lots of painkillers, um, a few usual selections of antibiotics. Um, we all had to get our teeth checked because if you get a tooth abscess out there, then it is basically flyers by the side of the road sort of thing. So that didn't sound like much fun. Um, um, yeah, the, the logistics are incredible. Um, it, 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 it's quite mind-blowing. It, I'm, I'm sitting here and not speaking much because I, I'm trying to get my head around it. First of all, one of the most exciting countries in the world. Um, uh, it's going back in time, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's funny. It's a real juxtaposition. So it is... Um, you know, it's absolutely vast. I mean, um, we, we did some, or Julie, the lady who's organising it, did some comparisons. So the distance we're doing is equivalent to um, London to Azerbaijan um, or one side of Canada to the other. Um, but obviously, as a Brit, we're, we don't have much concept of distance, do we? Because it's such a no, small country no, that 400 no. miles seems like a long way. Um, so, yeah, that side of things is just incredible. And then... Um, it's mostly, um, I think they've worked out that it's going to be sort of four hours of cantering a day. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, I think it is just going to be the first few days are going to be painful. Um, and then hopefully we'll get into the swing of it as we'll all get stronger. There are some incredible um, equestrians going. So um, one of the girls um, is a former winner of the Mongol Derby. Um, which is another very famous sort of endurance horse race. And then um, one of the guys has done the Tevis Cup in America, which is this crazy endurance race where they go up and down mountains. Um, so I'm slightly trepidatious that I'm not actually fit enough. But I do, you know, I have a dog and I ride two horses most days and I'm just expecting... You need quite a lot of ibuprofen and wine for the first couple of evenings. Right. I should wait to hear about that. Uh, I've got to ask, um, is there any bad areas? Uh, are there any tribes that could be hostile? Uh, have you been warned about anything like that? No, I mean, the, the, there's a big tradition of hospitality in Mongolia. So because they are a nomadic people, um, 
they all sort of live in the cities in the winter because it's three meters of snow, so they have to crowd together. And then um, in the summer, they go out to the various grasslands and everyone has their own sort of preferred route or preferred area. Um, and the rules are that, you know, if you are a stranger lost in Mongolia, if you knock on the door of a, a girl or a yurt, um, then they will welcome you and take you in. Um, we're pretty organized and some of the crew are Mongolian and, you know, they've been doing this a long time. So I think we will be fine from that point of view. Um, we were going, the reindeer people are on the north border of Mongolia where the Russian border is and there's a mountain that sits in China, Russia and Mongolia that we are going to the top of. Um, but we've adapted the route slightly so that the nearest we get to the Russian border is um, 40 kilometers away. And hopefully, you know, they'll all be looking the other way anyway. They won't be too concerned with Mongolia at the moment, I don't think. You never know with Putin. <laughs> I'm talking to Fran McNichol. I've got to ask, what about food? What have they told you about food? Um, so the, the support truck is also the cook truck. Um and will be, you know, coming along with us. And then while, while we're putting our tents up um, in the evening, um, they will be putting a girl up, which is the sort of common room slash kitchen slash um, general um, mingling area. Um, I don't know about supplies. It, 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 when, when I went last time, they are actually pretty well supplied by China now because China has spent a lot of money on the infrastructure um, in order to extract coal, amongst other things. And so you can get fresh food in most of the cities but um we are in the desert for a long time so i don't think we'll starve but um i'm not sure well we'll see we'll be hungry we'll eat it anyway what what are your excitements and what are your fears um to see every inch of the country because it is stunning and just you know, the vast expanses and the skies and, and the various different um, the different Mongolian um, groups or ethnic groups so that we get to meet the eagle hunters, which is a lifelong dream. Um, really looking forward to meeting the reindeer people. Um, and, yeah, just, just three months with a group of people and a horse and your own thoughts is quite exciting, but also a little bit terrifying. Um, so I don't know any of the people on the trip. We've had a few Zoom calls um, and we have been very carefully screened. The interview was a sort of two-hour chat with some quite searching questions. Um, so I guess my trepidation is just getting fed up with it all, really. I've been, yeah, I've been you're ready to go. My whole life. Yeah, Can't ready to you go. Imagine yeah. if I come back going, oh dear. Wow. I might hate horses by the end of it. Yeah, you might. <laughs> I've got to ask, who are the eagle hunters? So they are a Kazakh group um, of Mongolians who um, they use eagles to hunt rabbits, basically, for fur. So they ride around on horses with um, eagles. They're gold eagles um, that they basically train, um, and yeah, they catch rabbits for wow. fur and then sell the fur. Um, but it's like these one of the arts typical photos of, or pictures of Mongolians is these guys on horseback with one arm outstretched and an eagle flying from their arm. Um, I've also got yeah. to ask about the reindeer people. So they, yeah again, used reindeer as transport 
um, and meat and fur, I guess, because the funny thing about Mongolia is that they don't get attached to their animals at all because even the ones that work for them will eventually finish in the pot. Right. Um, so, yeah, they're in a, a different area and the reindeer are, again, they're working animals. Wow, wow. Now, it's 84 days. I'm talking to Fran McPickle. What has everybody said at the Royal Hospital about you going? Um, <laughs> they all think I'm a bit nuts, but they knew that anyway, I think. Um, as I say, they were very, very kind in um, enabling me to go and releasing me for the time. Um, it is unpaid leave and... Um, yeah, the, the people I'm leaving behind will have to work a bit extra hard while I'm away, for which I will be paying, I suspect, for the next couple of years in favours <laughs> and guilt, etc. Um, but no, they've been really, really supportive. Mm. Now, is it for charity as well? <laughs> it is. So we, um, obviously there were ride fees which are separate, but the um, the main purpose of the ride is to raise money for um, a charity called the Valu Foundation, which um, Julie, the lady who organised it, um, started herself. And um, they rescue children off the rubbish tip. So Mongolia, Ulaanbaatar, the capital of Mongolia, is the coldest capital city in the world. It goes down to minus 40 in winter, and there is an enormous rubbish dump where they incinerate quite a lot of their rubbish. And there is a community of um, deprived souls um, who scavenge the rubbish dump for um, scraps and subsistence and stuff to sell. And the children of the Peak Sanctuary goes and gets the preschool children particularly, um, has built a kindergarten and a nursery where they feed them and clothe them and give them an education and basically break the cycle of poverty. And then there's a couple of other community projects tagged onto that. So the, the women are now involved in a sewing workshop um, she's building gears that you can, if you buy a, a moon gear, um, then another one is made for a homeless Mongolian family so that they can have a home. Um, and I think they've, they've rescued 350 kids so far. And, wow. Um, wow. Yeah. So you're um, having a lifelong ambition fulfilled, but also helping people as well. Absolutely. Which yeah. is, is amazing. Um, are you... Uh, when are you actually going? So I fly out on Tuesday evening and I arrive in UV on Thursday morning. And then we have a couple of days of sort of wrangling and sorting out and then a day's drive down to the Gobi Desert. We stop at the monastery where we're starting. We meet our horses and get sorted out and kit sorted and go for a little test ride, as it were. Um, and then on the Monday, which is the 3rd of May, I think, 2nd or 3rd of May, um, there's a sunrise blessing at the monastery. And then we start riding. Fantastic. Now, is there any way you will be on a phone or is it going to be 84 days of silence? It won't be pure silence, um, but there is um, obviously limited Limited 4G coverage in Mongolia. So the, the, um, as in mobile signals, there are some near the towns. Um, and then every now and then, last time I went, you'd get to the top of a hill and everyone's phone would go beep. Um, we've got a satellite phone for safety. Yeah. And then um, whenever we do get a mobile signal, there'll be a flurry of uploading photos and stuff 
um, the Facebook page if anyone would like to track us. If um, you go on Facebook and search um, Blue Wolf Totem Expedition 2022, um, there hopefully will be live tracking available. We need about 100 more likes to, uh, to get Facebook to allow us to do live tracking because um, there's a minimum number. So if anyone wants to yeah. help us with that, that would be amazing. Say that um, again, the Facebook, slowly, again. So Blue Wolf Totem Expedition 2022. And that people will be able to follow that, which is really, really exciting. Will yeah. certain person be doing that for you? Yeah, I think Ju Julie's chief in charge of communication, and then we'll obviously be taking our random photos and then hopefully... Um, getting a bit of signal to upload to our own personal Facebook pages and stuff. But, um, one of the really refreshing things I've just done is cleared my phone of nearly all my WhatsApp groups and all my unnecessary pings because I don't want, yeah. when we do get five minutes of data, I want it to be for stuff I need. What are you going to miss most? Um, probably a sofa <laughs> and my dog. Oh, what's the dog going to do without you for 84 days plus? So I, I have got a bow. Um, so my, my boyfriend, Anna, um, is um, staying in the UK and looking after the dog. So hopefully he will be loved and nurtured and won't even notice I'm gone. Um, we'll see. Well, I am absolutely thrilled uh, to talk to you about this. I, I think it's amazing. There will be people listening that think you're mad. But there'll be people listening that will be incredibly jealous because it takes a big thing, a big step to do this, doesn't it, something like this? Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, the number of people who've said to me, I wish I could do that. Mm. And, of course, the simple answer is anyone could do it. You just have to, it has to be important enough to you to make it happen. Um, and... You know, it's tricky, I get it, when you've got kids and a mortgage, and I haven't got either of those, so I am very lucky from that point of view. Um, but I have got three horses and a dog, and, it's, and you know, I'm quite an important job in the nicest possible way. Um, so it has taken, you know, it, it took a big mind shift to actually say, yes, I can do it. I am going to do it. And, um, and that in itself was just very liberating. Here's an interesting question. We mentioned the dog. Let's talk about the horses that you're leaving. I, it's a long story, but I don't like horses, but they've certainly got a personality of their own. How will your horses react that you're not there and then react when you come back, in your opinion? Um, so, like all other animals, they do live in the moment, but they also form attachments and associations. So I think they are going to notice that I'm not there. I have made arrangements that obviously I'll be looked after and kept busy and I've got some very kind people riding the two that are in work. Um, and when I get back, it'll be something along the lines of, oh, nice to see you. Where have you been? Have you got a treat? <laughs> Simple as that. <laughs> and however much, this is interesting, however much you wash and shower and, and do what you do when you come back, would they smell other horses on you or would they know you've been with other horses? I think they would know you've been with other horses because I'm sure there is an energetic overlay and that sounds very woo and very weird. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, um, they'll definitely... I mean, last time I came back, the um, 
it's funny, Mongolia is a really dry country, so you don't actually sweat that much. But um, there was definitely, you know, leather and horse sweat and then yeah. a lot of artemisia, which is the bitter worm weed that smells um, quite distinctive. Yeah. Um, and it was just ingrained in me, I think. It was about three weeks before I stopped smelling it. Um, so, yeah, they'll know, they'll know I've been somewhere weird. Yeah. Fran, to finish off, tell us your full name and where you work again, please. So it's Fran McNichol, and I work at the Royal Liverpool University Hospital as a surgeon. And tell me where you're going. <laughs> so I'm going to Outer Mongolia on what we think is the longest horseback charity ride in history. Um, and we're doing 8,400 kilometres over 84 days to raise money for the Zalu Foundation and the Children of the Peace Sanctuary. You're an amazing woman. Amazing woman. Thank you so much for talking to me. And if you enjoyed that, why not subscribe? Hey, it costs you nothing at all. Liverpool Live.